<laughs> spiritual gifts. Uh, what we're wanting to do this month, and hopefully tonight we can do a little bit of that. Pastor Sam, for some strength, I stuck them in there, and what I did with them, I do not know. We want to develop our spiritual gifts. Uh, and we're going to learn tonight again. I'm going to go through and some, do some re remembrance with you, some, some reminder about three different types of gifts. But Paul the Apostle said, desire spiritual gifts. Look at your neighbor and say, desire spiritual gifts. And so as we do that tonight, let's just pray. And let's ask God to give us a real desire and hunger after the spiritual gifts that he's provided for us. Father, tonight, we pray that our hearts would be open and we would begin to hunger and desire the gifts that you have for us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Now, I, 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 I'm, as I'm catching up in my memory, I want to hold right there, Ike, and I want you to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to give you the bigger reason why we're talking about spiritual gifts. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse, oh, let's look at it. Uh, Verse 17, this is the, the verse that I was hoping all of us could memorize, not only for Wednesday night, but Sunday morning, and it is this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, everyone say in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, what happens? They are a what? A new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become what? New. And so our overarching theme for the month, even though I missed last Sunday and I missed last Wednesday, our overarching theme is discovering our true identity in Christ. How many of you know when we understand who we are in Christ, things begin to change in our life? I think one of the biggest reasons people do not arrive at the destiny of God for their life is because they don't know who they are. They wander about in life with, with an identity crisis. Who am I? What, how has God made me? And what, what's the purpose for my life? And they have all these question marks. You know, I hope this month we can erase some question marks. You know, when I walked uh, Jody Bell through uh, the sad task of planning her husband's funeral, which there was absolutely no plans, uh, Sunday night at 1130, we were about to leave her home. And uh, she thinks of me as her brother. She doesn't have a brother. And so she, I was loving on her. She said, okay, tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. And I swallowed real hard. I said, well, we'll, we'll start erasing those question marks tomorrow. And so Monday morning, I and Beverly got up with her five boys and her. And we sat around the living room and just slowly began to erase question marks. And every time we would erase one, the whole feeling of the room began to change. And by the end of the day and by the end of the next day, when, and, you know, and as they moved, they st all of a sudden, they got in gear. And all they needed to do was erase a few question marks in their life. They got direction in life. And so that's the real way it is with us in Christ. The more question marks we began to erase, and we begin to discover who we are in Christ. Someone say in Christ. Christ. It gives us motivation and, and destiny. And, we, and what does he say? We ha all things become new. The old get, gets thrown out and the new begins to be realized in our life. How many, of you, how many of you right here in this room of the faithful still realize there's some new things you haven't attained in, in your life yet? 
And so we discover our identity in Christ and it changes our life. Amen. And in fact, uh, gosh, there's set, I think 71 or 72 direct references in the King James to that phrase, in Christ. You know, Jesus said, if you abide in me, you can, you'll do what? You'll bear much fruit. You'll be productive in life. You'll be forward moving in life. And if, if we lose our identity, we'll, we'll never be able to fulfill the destiny of God for our life. So that's the real overarching purpose that we're, that we're talking about spiritual gifts because God has gifted us. And so Paul said, desire spiritual gifts. And then the next verse, what does he say, Ike? He says, but a boom. I don't know. <laughs> At 1 Peter 4.10, Peter said this, As each one has received a gift. Everyone say a gift. Yeah. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So God has gifted us. We just need to discover the gifts that he's given us and begin to minister them to one another. Now, the overarching big picture, here's the three categories that we're looking at. I think that's the next slide. So if you'll uh, pop ahead, the big picture, the first one that we talked about last Wednesday night, oh no, two Wednesday nights ago, are the gifts of the Father. Romans chapter 12. In fact, turn back over there one time because it's been a couple of weeks. I want to show you this once again in case you weren't here two weeks ago. Romans chapter 12. These are the gifts of the Father. Look what it says in, oh gosh, let's jump in verse 3. Uh, it says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think sober, soberly as God. See, there's the Father God. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. But So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Now, this list, we call it the uh, the... The, the motivational gift, bingo. Everyone say motivational gifts. It's a motivation that, that primarily, and if you, if you study these, in fact, how many of you were not here two Wednesday nights ago when we went through the motivational gifts? Okay, a couple of you. Here's what you do. T write this down. Go to, go to gifttest.org. Everyone say gift test. Not gifts test. Gift test. Dot org and you go online and you'll take this test online and in five ten minutes uh, you'll discover uh, your primary motivation in life because uh, we you know the way we teach these motivational gifts is that everybody has primarily one motivation and from that one motivation they minister probably in all different kinds of motivations like my motivational gift is that of exhortation but you know what I'm teaching tonight uh, and so but my primary motivation is uh, is exhortation and who was here last, that, those two Wednesday nights ago and you took the gifts test uh, and you discovered your gift and y'all had, what was yours? It certainly wasn't mercy, right? It was ruler, yeah, all right. So, so here's the motivational gifts. And, and, and again, if you weren't here and even if you were and you kind of got scattered in this thought, if you can begin, we can begin to, to minister through life through the recognized motivation of our life, it helps us be a, not a round peg in a square hole. 
For example, my wife's motivation is mercy, okay? And here's, here's the perfect illustration uh, because this is the lens through which I'm viewing everything the last two weeks is the funeral uh, of my dear friend Dave Bell. On Friday night was the visitation, and there was an expectation of a 1,000-plus people. They have two facilities. They have uh, uh, the big... Uh, Family Life Center down the hill where they have church, and then they have the older church up a hill uh, in what they call the chapel, which is the youth center, and it probably seats about 100 people. And, and so the viewing was there, and the design was people line up and come through uh, and, and go by the casket and greet the family, okay? Now, my job was to keep the line moving right there by Jody. Beverly was to help however she could. Hey, thank you. That'll, that'll help me. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, and we made announcements. Please keep your condolences short because there was a line all the way down the hill and around the building. It took three and a half hours through the rain and the hail for a thousand plus people to come by. And so my gift of exhortation was this. Stand up, stand up. My gift of exhortation, they'd come and, and the little old ladies are con- given. They want to tell their pastor's wife how much, but... They don't have all day. And so I just come up behind them. I said, God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. We appreciate you. And Beverly said this out of her mouth. I could not do that because that's just not her motivation. So, yeah. She, in fact, Jody's mother is the mercy motivator. And she got in the, the greeting line with the family when she wasn't supposed to. And so I would hustle them through, and they'd get to Jody's mother, and she'd start asking them how their business was doing, and, you know, there's a 1,000 people waiting down the hill. And finally I said, can somebody get Jody's mother kind of? And she said, nope, I'm staying right here. So so I had to really work with her because she'd start, you know, how's your children? And I'd go, God bless you. It's good to have you. See you later. So, So those motivations, you learn to minister through your motivation, and that's really important, okay? And it helps you, helps you, when you understand other people's motivations, it helps you put them in the right places if you're in ministry. So here they are. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in the proportion to our faith. Now, prophecy is really not a foretelling of the future here. It's a, just a, a great capacity to declare the word, a great proclaimer, communicator type thing. In fact, uh, um, we had other names for them through this. Gifts, the gift test gives them a little different name uh, to kind of help define them a little better. And I would encourage you to go there. Uh, prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry or service. Let us use it in ministering or service. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So there's the primary motivational gifts. Now, let me just say this and then we'll move on. Uh, These motivational gifts, we all have to function in all of them from time to time throughout our life and maybe, you know, in everything we do. For example, me... My motivation is exhortation. But you know what? I've got to teach. I've got to give. I've got to have mercy. Uh, I've got to be prophetic. I've got to be ministry. All these things I do. But I do them through the lens and through the life of the motivation that I have. Does that make sense to you? 
And so it helps you understand. And if you, if you, you know, if you're out of, if you're a round peg in a square hole in in, in your job, in your ministry, it, it really helps you to discover who you, you are and begin to fit better in the place that God has for you. Amen. So that's the motivational gifts. The next in the big picture is not only the gifts of the Father, but the gifts of the Son. And we're going to look at these tonight very briefly. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 through 12. We'll look at that later. And then, here we go, the last one, which is next Wednesday night. The, oh, pardon me. The gifts of the Son are the ministerial gifts. Thank you, Ike. Uh, and we'll look at that in just a moment. We'll come back to that. And then next Wednesday night, uh, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, the gifts of the Spirit, uh, they are uh, uh, the manifestation gifts, okay? And very quickly, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12 and just want to show them to you because I encourage you to kind of begin to, to, to look at it and, 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 and digest it. Now, we teach this in our, uh, our uh, Connect class for new members, new Christians, but here it is. It's talking about spiritual gifts. Uh, oh, and let's just start in verse 7. To give us, uh, so we just don't uh, uh, take too much time. But the manifestation of the Spirit. See, there's the manifestation gifts. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now, let me stop before I read that. Isn't it interesting how, how God the Father uh, has gift, giftings to us? Now, let me just give you a little. You see God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit? Let me give you a little. I think this is a very pretty good illustration of the of the Trinity. You know, you've heard the Trinity three in one. How many of you know it's kind of make you scratch your head? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know, they're three, but they're one, and uh, it's kind of mysterious. But maybe this helps. My name is Sam Walker. That's who I am. But I'm also a husband. I manifest myself in the world as a husband. I manifest myself in the world as a pastor. I manifest myself in the world as a father. You know, to Stacy, I'm her father. I'm not, I'm, I'm Sam Walker, but really, who, if someone asks me, who is this guy to you? He's my father. And if someone were to ask Beverly, who is this guy, Sam Walker? Well, he's my husband. And if you ask Ty, he would be, I don't know if he, can he say, he knows, he's my grandfather. Grandfather. Uh, and if, if someone asks you in a crowd, hey, who's that guy uh, right there with the bowed legs? And the, he's my pastor. So one guy, but to different people, he mani- he's, he's, a, he's a different type of guy. So that's not a really... I mean, but it kind of helps a little bit when you think of, of, of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That is, it, they're all God, but they're all God manifests in different, in different ways. So God the Father, the motivational gifts, the gifts of the Son are the, uh, are the ministerial gifts. And then the gifts of the Spirit, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, here they are, the manifestation gifts. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, the, to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the workings of miracles. To another, prophecy. 
to another discerning of spirits, to another uh, different, or King James says, diverse kinds of tongues. There's basically two. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So there's the gifts of the spirit. So that's the big picture. (coughs) And in discovering our identity in Christ, We need to get a real handle on all three of these in our life and understand them and begin to recognize them and begin to uh, follow through uh, in our hearts uh, with the giftings that God has has for us. As 1 Peter chapter 4 said, as each one has received a gift, so minister it to one another as good stewards. Everyone say good stewards. You don't want to get to heaven and and say, hey, God, I gifted you in this area. How come you didn't use it? I don't know, maybe, so maybe not. We want to be good stewards of the gift of God. And so there's the big picture. So now let's go back to the gifts of the Son. If you'll turn to Ephesians, Galatians, Ephesians, very simply, I'm going to introduce these gifts to you. uh, And they begin... Oh, gosh, let's start in verse 7 because we want to identify them as the gifts of the Son. But to each one of us, grace was, was given according to the measure of what? Christ's gift. So here they are, the gifts of the Son. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended in the lower parts of the earth. He who descended, it is also one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And here's what he gave. And he himself, that is Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, For the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, some call this the five-fold ministry. It's a very valid descriptive. And these are are gifts to the body of Christ that have to do with leadership responsibilities in the church. Not everyone has one. It's not like the motivational gifts. Not everybody, uh, you know, you're, you're not one of these five necessarily. Now, you may be. I don't know. You may be a gifted teacher in the body of Christ and, uh, you know, and, 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 and maybe God's raising up some evangelists and some pastors and some prophets and even some apostles, uh, but not everybody is going to be one of these five. These are, these are ministry gifts, and that's what they are. They're, minister, <coughs> they're ministry uh, or ministerial gifts to the body of Christ. And now, what are their primary purpose? Look at the passages. What's the primary purpose of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and to, and to edify the body of Christ. Now, now this is, is a whole different way of looking at these five places. Because, you know what? Uh, most of us think, well, the pastor's here to meet my needs or the teachers here to help me learn and and yeah that but our or the evangelist is here to win the world to Christ but really the fivefold ministry to the church is to equip the saints 
and edify the saints to do the work of the ministry. Everybody say work. Anybody old enough to remember Dobie Gillis? Am I the only one that knows Dobie Gillis? This illustration doesn't work other than my wife. There was, a, there was a gal in this series years and years ago. It was a black and white his, uh, series. His name was uh, Maynard G. Krebs. Maynard G. Krebs was a beatnik. He was what we would call a hippie, but back then they were beatniks. And when the word work was spoken, wherever he was, somebody said, we need to go to work. He'd go, work? He just had an aversion to work. Uh, and every time I think about work, I think about Maynard G. He had an avert work. There's a lot of people in the church that are just like Maynard G. Krebs. They think, the church is here to bless me. The church is here to, uh, to take care of me. The church is here to, to, to uh, help me be, uh, you know, I, I'm not being critical of Joel Olstein, to help me have my best life now. That's what the church is here for. No, the church is here, the five-fold ministry is here, is to equip you so you can be properly equipped to do the work. How many of you don't like doing things without the proper equipment? Have you ever tried to do something with the wrong kind? You know, you know I love these new nail guns, man. You're framing up, pow, pow. You got to be careful. Pow, pow, man, pow, pow. You know, it's just, man, I've built things with hammers and nails. Now, those were the tools of my day, but now they are, in most cases, defunct when it comes to really doing you the better the tool the better the equipment the faster the more efficient the 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 more successful the more productive you and I can be when we have the right equipment and that's the responsibility of the fivefold ministry to equip you for the work of the ministry and to edify you that edify it means to build up the body of Christ and so God has given you gifts no pardon me Jesus gave you gifts in the fivefold ministry to edify you and to build you up so you can do the work of the ministry. And so it's important to embrace the gift. You see, when I came to Beaumont back how long ago, Beverly? Almost 15 years ago, personally. The church is 15. We'll be 15 in, in June. We'll be here 15. The church will be 16 in August. And so for 15 years, uh, I've been a gift to you. And you're here tonight, so you appreciate the gift. That makes me feel good. But, hey, the, the teachers and, the, and, and evangelists. And, in fact, a couple of few Sundays ago, uh, uh, you had an evangelist here. And, and uh, Richard Vaughn, he's a part of our organization. And he's an evangelist to the body of Christ. And so here they are. Let's go through them. Let's talk about them briefly. Uh, and uh, I'll just kind of, in fact, if you want this illustration, uh, uh, this five-fold ministry, if you've got a piece of paper, I didn't bring any. If you, if, or if you've got a small piece, just, just uh, go around, trace your hand. Trace your hand. And if, you're not, if you can't do that, just picture yourself doing that because this will help you understand and remember the five-fold ministry. Okay? And here they are. Are you ready? The thumb, in the thumb of this, of this hand, right apostle. And I'm going to explain why he's the thumb in a moment. All right? With the pointer finger... All right, I'm going to give them all to you and then I'll go back and comment. With the pointer finger, put the prophet or just prophet. With the long finger, 
put evangelist. With the ring finger, put pastor. And with the small finger or the pinky, put teacher. All right, everybody show me your hand. What's the thumb? What's the pointer? What's the long finger? Okay, what's the ring finger? What's the little finger? Okay, so you got them. Now, over each one, I'm going to give you a word. All right, and you can just write it over them or around it. Okay, and, and, and we'll just do it one at a time. The apostle, right, he governs. He governs. All right. Over the prophet or somewhere pointing to this, he guides. He guides. G U I. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. You can, we'll go back through there. Hang tough because I, I, I got some things I want to say before you get there. Here we go. I'm just kind of doing this by the fly here. The, the long finger, which is the evangelist, he gathers. The pastor, he guards. The teacher, he grounds. So that'll help you remember, too. They're all G words. So here we go. The apostle, he governs. Now, Paul was an apostle, okay? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And from studying Paul and other illustrations in Scripture, there, you know, there's a whole, we could, you know, if you, if if I were the teacher, I'm not the teacher. Uh, who am I? I'm the encourager. Uh, I'm not the teacher. If I were the teacher, we'd have a four-part series on the, on, the, on the position of the apostle. I'm not the teacher. The apostle, and you look at Paul, he's a great example. When you study his life, you'll find that he, he's a builder, he's a planter, he establishes things, and he oversees things. That's where you get the governor. I mean, he governs things. He, he is a builder and an establisher and a planter. He, he's, not a, he's not a pastor. Now, he may pastor, but he does things and builds things and establishes them and puts people in positions and places, and he's a, and he's a huge asset to the body of Christ. Now, the apostle, now watch Watch why the apostle is the, is the thumb, okay? Because as an apostle, if you need a prophet, he can prophesy. If you need some evangelization, he can do it. If you need a pastor, he can do that. He won't do it very long, but he can do it. <laughs> if you need a teacher, he can teach. He can touch every area. And that's what makes him so beneficial in building things and putting them together. He's a multi-talented, graced kind of guy. Now, some people think, well, the, the apostles are dead. You know, there's no more apostles. That's, that's baloney. Okay? Now, what I've learned, especially this happens in third world countries, uh, a lot of people are big on titles. And in some cultures, they're big on titles. And so... People give themselves titles. I'm apostle so-and-so. Well, the, pr the fruit of, of your apostleship is not in your quickie print card that you hand out people and say who you are. It's who you are. And I know some. Let me just tell you, Ron Hammonds is an apostle. Now, it's just his, it's his gift. He's, he's a gift to the body of Christ. He builds and establishes and oversees things. 
And the, and the thing about him, you know, uh, you know in, in our early years here together, about the time we would start something and I'd wrap my brain about it and just I'm kind of catching it, he's off somewhere else starting something else. It's like he starts the fire and then goes somewhere else while we keep it going and he's already building and planning and strategizing. He is apostolic in his gracing. It, you know, uh, man, he, hey, have you ever heard him prophesy? That boy can prophesy. Okay, he's done that over me a few times. Okay, and and he can evangelize. He 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 would say that to be his weakest. In fact, you know what he does in his church many times on Sunday morning when Richard Vaughn is there, who's the evangelist. He'll preach his message and then say, "Now to conclude our services today, Brother Vaughn is going to come up and give you an invitation." And he leans heavily upon the evangelist. So, but he can, uh, and certainly he's the pastor. Uh, and, and, and one of his real strengths is a teacher, but he can do all these things pretty well, okay? He's an apostle. Another apostle that I know uh, and you would have never dreamed, you know, we have this mindset of apostle. You know, they wear a double-breasted suit and have fancy, you know, and they walk around with jewelry. That's not <laughs> David Hatley in Africa is an apostle. He left America, sold two part stores, and never had ministry experience in his life, went to Africa, and today there's orphanages, there's medical clinics, there's over 200-something churches that have been birthed in the last 27 years through the part salesman. And all of a sudden he realized my gracing and my gifting and my, to the body of Christ is not selling auto parts, but I'm apostle to the body of Christ. One of the most dynamic apostolic graces I have ever seen. And if you set him down in this room, you know, he's not a great teacher. I listen to him teach. Let me just say, these, this little outline I got, gifts of the Father, gifts of the Son, and gifts of the Spirit came from him. He's not a great teacher. You wouldn't think of him as, but he, but man, you talk about somebody who's a builder and a planter and an establisher. And he has long-term friends for 27 years, pastors and a network of pastors and leaders. And hopefully we'll be able to build them a church building from the first church that he planted. And now there's over 225 of them. So he's an apostle. Everyone say the apostle. And then we have who? We have the prophet. Now, he guides. He's a prophetically inspired speaker. Now, though there's, I'm just going to hit this. There's a little bit of mis understanding I think in the body of Christ about the 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 office if you will of a prophet uh, we we read the Old Testament and we have these kind of scary ideas of prophets you know doom and gloom last days <clears throat> let me say to you when you read the New Testament okay you you you're hard-pressed to find a prophetic gift operating that is telling people where to go in, with specifics like, like the Lord's telling me you're supposed to be, you know, a missionary to China, okay? Now, I've seen people do that. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. But we, but we have, I think, a little bit of a misunderstanding of what the prophet is based maybe on some of our religious experience or by what we read in the Old Testament but let me encourage you, if you want to do a little self-study, you go through the New Testament and you start finding where prophecies came forth and you will be hard-pressed to find that type of what I'll call 
specific directive, you know, and, and I've, seen, I've seen people's lives get all messed up when somebody says, the Lord, in fact, I saw this one day, somebody told a friend of mine, the Lord spoke to me, and this was kind of a recognized person in the church, you're supposed to be the janitor of the church, thus says the Lord. I walked away going, yeah, I don't believe that, That's, you know, so broaden your understanding of prophecy here, and when you, when you look at the, we'll look at the gift of prophecy, which is different than the office of a prophet. You know, you might have the gift of prophecy. We'll talk about that next, next week. You might have a, a gift of prophecy where you prophesy, but you are not a recognized uh, prophet as, and have the office or the, 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 the ministry gift of a prophet in the, in, in the local church or in the, in the church kind of on a broader level. How many of you understand that difference so far? Okay, so... My understanding of what prophecy and the prophet's responsibility is from, if you go to the gift of, of, of prophecy, the Holy Spirit gift of prophecy, it's for the purpose, we'll look at it next week, of edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Everyone say, edification, edification. exhortation, exhortation, and comfort to men. Now, so... So when you think of the office of a prophet, a recognized office of prophet, his responsibility as a prophetically inspired speaker. Now, I have friends that have this gift and grace in their life. I think, and, and you heard, uh, uh, pardon me, you heard Kenneth Bent uh, speak, if you were here a few Sundays ago while I was in Africa. He, to me, and he, he, he and I think Pastor uh, uh, Ron recognizes him as, as a, have the office of a prophet. His life as a prophetic, he's a prophetically inspired guy, and he brings edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. In fact, when I listened to his message, I didn't listen to all of it, but when he got started, man, it just, there's something different about tur from turning your Bibles to, you know, Mark chapter 5. He just stands up, and this, this prophetic edge is on his life. Another friend of mine who was with us this week, Mike Heron, now, this guy is a prophet. In fact, no one ever in my life ever spoke more directly to me in a prophetic way than Mike Heron many, many years ago when I was in a conference there. He didn't know me from Adam. He didn't know the challenges I was going through. He didn't, uh, uh, he, knew, he knew nothing about me. And he stepped into my world and just began to share with me. Let me just tell you one other misconception about a prophet. And here it is. Be ready. I don't want to scare you. Thus saith the Lord. Now, you can do that if you want. But understand, the Lord is saying unto you today. You know, and you just go, he is. Oh, he's shouting at me too. <laughs> he, he may be mad. I don't know. Uh, he's all worked up. I know that. Uh, now, I'm not. Now. I'm trying not to be critical, but understand something. I want to erase to you your maybe some misunderstandings of a prophet and misconception of a prophet. Mike Heron is, is, is the exact opposite of that. You will never see him do that. In fact, you may not realize this guy's speaking prophetically into my life until about after he just pierces your heart. But years and years ago, man, I'm standing in the altar and all of a sudden he points at me. And just says, you know, he's talking just like this. He said, God sees your heart and he knows that you're doing it. I mean, he was not vague. He was not 
you know, gen, you know, it wasn't one of those generic things that all of us somehow would fit into. Man, he read my mail, and I looked. I don't know if Beverly was there. I went, you know, this guy's the real deal. And you know what that did? It brought edification, exhortation, and comfort to me, and it turned the tide in my life uh, to move me beyond that moment. So what a gift to the body of Christ, okay? What a gift to the body of Christ. And so uh, there you go, the prophet, all right? And then we have uh, the, the long finger. It's the evangelist. He gathers. He reaches out further than everybody else. This evangelist, he has a grace in his life to inspire. Go ahead and give me, inspire and motivate uh, not only people to be born again, but he motivates other people to go out and find people to be born again. Because remember, the evangelist, it's not his responsibility just to win the world. His responsibility to is equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And what's the work of the ministry from him? It's evangelism. And Richard Vaughn is a great illustration of that. He's an evangelist to the body of Christ and others that you and I have met. Hey, regardless of what you think about Joel Osteen, I was, I was with Marcus Witt, who is, again, the Hispanic pastor there at Lakewood. Uh, he had like 9,000 people at church last Sunday. You know, nice little size church for the Hispanic folks. And, uh, and, and he, we were talking about Joel, you know, and how people crit- criticize him. He said, what people see on TV is just his motivational gift. But, uh, but they don't realize that every week thousands and thousands of people all over the world are born again through their ministry. And he says, people don't realize he's an evangelist. He, he inspires and motivates people to bring other people. You say, how do you know that? Look in church. They're going, come, hey, you got to bring your friends. In fact, I had, a, I had a discussion a few years ago with Marcos about the, this mystery of Joel Olstein, how he had never preached before in his life until his daddy died. His first Sunday to preach was the Sunday after his daddy died. Never preached before in his life. Uh, and the story is just an exponential explosion of people. But we're talking about that and how... People all over the world can't stop watching him. And he said they did a study about him. And he's, there's some magnetism about his life that people can't not watch him on TV. And I, I heard all, they actually studied this, you know, with people and, and sent out surveys and things. So I got all this knowledge a few years ago. And then I was actually back in San Antonio, back when I thought I could actually get on a treadmill and try to be healthy. And I was on a treadmill in a, in a hotel room. And, I'm, and this guy's next to me. And we're kind of chatting and and uh, I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm fine. How are you? He said, you live here? I said, no, I'm going to a conference here. I'm a pastor there. He said, that's cool. He said, we're talking along. He said, you ever heard of De- Joel Olstein?" And I said, yeah, I heard about him. And he said, what do you think about him? I said, man, I think it's kind of cool. He said, you know, I, I don't go to church much, but I can't stop watching that guy. I go by there. I try to go by him. And he says, it's like a magnet. I just have to listen to him. And I, that's right after I'd heard all, two days after that, I'd heard all that. I'm going, no, that is wild. And finally, we're talking along, and I said, now, who are you? He gave me his name. I said, what do you do? He said, uh, he said I own some exercise uh, places uh, around. I said, what, a, well, tell me. So it's Curves. It was the guy who owns all the Curves, or is the, you know, I'm saying, okay. So I start really, I'm walking out. <laughs> curves guy. But, but, hey, Joel Olstein is an evangelist. He just inspires and motivates people. And all over the world, every week, thousands and thousands of people are, are born again. In fact, let me tell you a side story. Marcos preached for uh, uh, Joel a few months ago, and he forgot to give an invitation at the end of the service. 
for people to be saved. And he said by Monday at noon, he had five calls from three different, four different people, and then Dodie called and said, Now, Marcos, you cannot not give an invitation for people to be saved here at, at Lakewood. <laughs> he said, And when Dodie calls, you listen. And so, so he's an evangelist, and they're an evangelistic church, and so that's a gift to the body of Christ. So that's the evangelist. He reaches out, inspires, and motivates. And then there's the pastor. I never would have thought that I would be a pastor. I always thought that somehow I would be the evangelist, but I'm not. I'm not a, I'm not a strong gatherer. Uh, but the pastor, he guards and he protects and he cares and he tends for the flock. And, and uh, that's kind of my, my if, if, if I am any of those five things, this would be who I am. Now, uh, I'm motivated a little different. For, for example, Beverly is a good balance to me. Because how many of you know the pastor needs to be merciful? But I'm not motivated merciful. I'm an encourager. So, and we've talked about how Beverly and I would deal differently with people. You know, if somebody fell down in, in Beverly's presence and scuffed their knees, uh, Beverly would be over there. Oh, I'm so sorry. Here, sit down. You know, let's get some medicine. You just relax. You hurt yourself and you need more. You know, hoo, hoo, hoo. She, and she just, her mercy gift would minister to them. Me, I would say, you all right? You're not bleeding to death, are you? Come on, get up, brother. Hey, it'll be all right. That's the way I talk to Ty. You'll be okay. Come on. You know, ah, that ain't no big deal. <laughs> okay, okay. Right, yeah, we can do it. We're just motivated differently. So, so hopefully, uh, between Beverly and I, we, we have a good compliment to, to help and, and, tender the, and take care of the flock of God. Here's a scripture, 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, the elders who are among you, I exhort. I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. He tells them, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And that's our goal, to be an example. And, you know, we've, we've been doing this a while. And, and let me just tell you what I tell people. When people come to the church or they're, you know, they're, you know, what are they looking for? I tell them this. Now that I once was young and now I'm old, I say, you know, there's 101 churches in town. A lot of them are great churches. I can't speak for them or against them. But all I can tell you is about us. And Beverly and I have been doing this for now years. And we have validated through not only our children, but from people who have plugged into the family of God here and plugged their families into the family of God, they grow and they get spiritually healthy. You know, we're not the biggest, we're not the brightest, we're not the fanciest, we don't, we don't have all the, you know, the, the glitz and glamour, we don't have pool tables and, you know, tennis courts and all those things. But you know what? If you stick around a few years, you will grow in Christ you will discover your identity in Christ. And if you bring your children, they will grow in Christ. And they will become stable, healthy pillars in the house of God. And their kids and their kids and their grandkids. And I can tell you now, I go back to Quitman. And the grandchildren, uh, the, you know, the children of the children that I ministered to are now working in the children's church, overseeing children's church in Quitman. Now, how did that happen? 
They plugged into the house of God through the leadership of a pastor and a church family who tended to them, and they grew. Amen? And so a pastor guards and helps. And, and, and I, just, I just wish people would get that big picture mentality, that big picture mindset. Most people don't have it. They don't have, well, why do I have to go to church? Oh, Wednesday night, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah it's the big picture. We're looking at the big picture. We're not looking about this week. We're, we're, we're trying to address the whole life. Amen? And guard the flock of God and shepherd the flock of God and, and see the flock of God get healthy and, and productive in society. So that's the pastor. You can tell I'm a little passionate about that part. And then number five, the teacher, he grounds the body of Christ in the Word of God. And we need teachers in the body of Christ. Now, teachers, you know, they're the little finger. Uh, you know, it's kind of, they delve off into the minute details of Scripture. You know, they're kind of, they pick and just, you know, and they study. And, and, and oh, we need teachers. Pastor Ron is a strong teacher, and he can, he can study all day long. He just, I just, oh. I just don't do that. And some people, the people who love to study, uh, you know, and then they love to communicate truth and tell truth. You know, I've, I, uh, I've interacted with some great teachers uh, over the years. I don't know if you ever heard of a guy named Frank Damasio. He's uh, from Oregon area. He's, he used to be kind of leadership guru of the world, in the church world. And he is a teacher. Oh, my goodness. And I could listen to him for hours and teachers where, where they, they're not boring you. You know, I've had some teachers in college who I realize, that's a round peg in a square hole, brother. They're not teaching me anything. They're, they're, they're drawing a paycheck, but they're not a teacher. My algebra teacher in, in well, now my math teacher in high school, he was a coach. He was not a teacher. Okay, a round peg in a square hole. We talked about athletics and cars, and then he'd give you your homework. Oh, that's hard to pass a class like that. So in the body of Christ, you want the round peg in the round hole. You want people functioning in the place that they find best. The teacher, we need the teacher to, to, to give us the, the depth and the breadth and the height of the Word of God to inspire us. And let me just tell you one of my dreams. You want me to tell you a dream uh, that I have? I have available to me a two-year Bible course given to me free. I mean, it's pretty awesome looking. I'm, I'm perusing it now. But let me tell you something. The one thing I can't do, I can't do it. I can't do it I can't, because I am not the teacher. And so uh, I'm looking at right now thinking how can we incorporate this into our church where, where we get the teachers involved uh, and we, I mean, I, it's, a, it's, it, it's used around the world. In fact, uh, when we were in, in Dandora, uh, uh, Kenya, at this church that we're hopefully going to build, when we got there, the feeding program for the children was finishing up, and we looked inside that little ragtag tin building, and there was about 40 adults going through this Bible class. Uh, and, man, they were teaching the Word of God. And so I thought, ooh, I like that. I'm not the man to do it, but I'm trying to find the man to do it. And so that would, wouldn't that be a great compliment to our churches in this area, not just our church, but our sister churches in the area, to be able to have, be able to have a, a, you know, a full-blown two-year uh, Bible course uh, to just uh, get us really founded in the things of the Word of God. So, so the teacher would be the guy to find to oversee that and to begin to promote it because he's got a grace on his life. So there's the five-fold ministry. It's the, it's the gifts 
of the Son to the church. What are they? Look up here. Say it out loud. Come on, help me. It's the fivefold ministry. They're gifts to the body of Christ. So we embrace those gifts uh, because they help do what? What's their primary purpose? Edification and, and, and equipping to the saints. For what purpose? The work of the ministry. And so uh, to help us have the right tools in our hands, uh, you know, and, 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 and equip us to, to, to be what God's called us to be. It's a big challenge for the church. Uh, uh, but, hey, with these gifts operating, uh, hey, we can, we can be equipped and encouraged. Uh, in fact, tonight, you know what? I equipped you a little bit tonight. And, and how many of you got encouraged a little bit tonight? Amen. Hey, it, you know what? It doesn't happen in a day. It happens daily and weekly in our life where we, we grow and we mature and we get equipped and encouraged and empowered to do the work of the ministry. Let's stand together. I did pretty good without my written notes, didn't I? Come on, give your preacher a hand. He, he made it. He made it. He's, he's going on uh, nine days of not really knowing what's going on to pulling off something without his notes. Father, we thank you.